0: I'm going to ask you to take out your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Mark, the 16th chapter. We've been going for the last three months through the book of Mark, through the Gospel of Mark. You'll find this on page 853. follow along as I begin reading in verse 1, Mark chapter 16. Mark records for us that when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled back. It was very large. They entered the tomb, and they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. The angel said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first. Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and as they wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe it. After these things, Jesus appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest. But again, they did not believe them. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. We know this story. We're here every Easter. So we know about Jesus' resurrection. This is not shocking to us. So we're not going to go into great detail about the events of that day. We're going to talk in a few minutes about what it means. But let's... Since we're in the book of Mark, let's look at what Mark tells us about this event. Some interesting things that you might not have seen before. As the women are going to the tomb, they want to anoint the body of Jesus for burial. They've got the spices, they've got everything ready to go. And as they're walking to the tomb, somebody says, "Um, how are we going to get that stone out of the way? That's a great question. And that would have been a good question to ask, you know, before you left. (laughs) They got everything ready to go, but that one detail, they forgot. Well, it turns out not to matter because the angel has already moved it and Jesus has already been raised. But why didn't they bring a man with them? (laughs) Because the men were still hiding out of fear. Let's make sure we give these women credit for going where the men were afraid to go. I don't want to get sidetracked here, ladies, but we have a lot of men in that same boat today. Women are going where the men are afraid to go. The women that we read about in the first verse of chapter 16 have already been named at the end of chapter 15, just a couple of verses before this. That is very important because the named women at the end of chapter 15 are the same women that we see at the beginning of chapter 16. Why is that important? Because the women who went to the tomb on Sunday morning knew where they were going. We can't come back and say, well, you know what, they probably just went to the wrong tomb. They didn't know where they were going, Right? No, they knew where they were going because they had gone with the body to see where it was buried. So there was no mistake. They had the right place. Now, as we look at the story, you'll hear people say today, well, this is just a made-up story. It's not true. Let's just go with that for a second. Let's assume that the disciples didn't like the way the story ended with Jesus dying and being buried. So, hey, let's make up a story. All right. For the sake of argument, this is a made-up story. Ask yourself a simple question. If you were going to make up a story about the resurrection of Jesus, would you put at the tomb the very first witnesses to the resurrection? Sorry, ladies, but would you put a woman there? No disrespect, ladies. We know historically 2,000 years ago, women were not believed. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's historically accurate. The testimony of a woman in court was not given the same weight as the testimony of a man. If you're going to make up a story, why wouldn't you make up a story that had men there? Right? Why create a story that's unbelievable right from the start? And so what we see here is a note of historical accuracy that adds weight to the credibility of the story. No man is going to write a story and put a woman there and make the story incredible unbelievable all right also you see in the text we're told that as they enter the tomb that there's an angel there on the right side i don't think there's any significance to that i've never seen a theologian that says one way or the other it's just a detail in the story the writer doesn't say that the angel was there it was there on the right side. It's those small details that add credibility to the story that Jesus rose from the grave precisely because that's something that an eyewitness would say. There was an angel there and he was right, right there on the right side. You see, the, all of these things go together and help to add credibility to this story. The fact that these women are named is also important. You know why? Have you ever heard of something? I got a friend, she does this all the time. Oh, I heard this. Who'd you hear from? I don't know. Who said it? Well, somebody told me somebody and that somebody. Right? Whenever you have a story, well, I heard. Well, who'd you hear it from? And they can't tell you. We call that gossip. We have a story here that's not, well, I heard it from somebody somewhere that maybe this Jesus guy rose from the dead. No, we've gotten women named. That means we can go check. If these women are not alive at the time that Mark was written, we can go to friends and family of them. Is that what they said? Were they there? Is this story true? This adds weight and credibility to the story. That's important. But it's also important to note that the empty tomb does not prove the resurrection. This is critical, people. Do you know what an empty tomb proves? That the body's gone. That's it. We can't say, well, we know Jesus rose from the dead because that tomb was empty. Yeah, there are other ways to explain an empty tomb other than resurrection. That's why the story was created, remember, by the Jewish authorities. Well, the body was stolen. That was not a believable story, but that's the story that was going around. Why is this important? Because in this story, we, we need these details. We need this to help us understand what's going on. Also something interesting in this, the angel tells the women, go tell the disciples. Did you see it? And Peter. Peter's the only disciple that's mentioned by name. That's huge. Think about Peter and what he has done. On Good Friday, when Jesus is is arrested... It was actually Thursday night leading into Friday morning there. What's Peter doing? He's denying Jesus left and right. Do you know him? Nope, never heard of him. You're one of his disciples? Nope. When the angels tell the women to go get the disciples and to meet him in Galilee, Peter would have probably been thinking, I can't go. I'm a loser. I denied him. I can see where Jesus would want the other disciples to go, but not me. That the angel said, get Peter too, is huge. Because Peter would have been wracked with guilt. He would have been ashamed of himself. He would not have wanted to go. And when the women came back and said, hey, we're supposed to meet Jesus in Galilee, and he said, Peter too, and Peter's like, me? Me too? How many of you at times feel like Peter? I have screwed up big time. I have failed the Lord. He would not want me. We need to hear this message, people. We need to hear this message. That we can be forgiven. We don't need to stay back in our guilt and our shame. We can go to Jesus. Jesus. He doesn't just let us come back. Peter was invited to come back. He was told, get back here. How many of you need to hear that word from Jesus today? Get back to where you're supposed to be. The resurrection is not proven by the empty tomb, but it is pointed to. What proves the resurrection is not an empty tomb, but people who saw the person who used to occupy that tomb. And that's the part of the story that's very important is we're told several meetings with Jesus. People personally saw Him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that one of the appearances of Jesus was with a group of people where there was over 500 there. Okay? That tells us that this was not just some mass hysteria. With the disciples. Yeah, maybe the nut job disciples were overcome with grief and they started seeing stuff that was not there. 500 people at one time? I don't think so. You see? What, why we believe in the resurrection today is because there are visible sightings of Jesus by credible people on numerous occasions. It's not a made up story, people, it's important. But now that we've looked at the story, what does it mean? So what? What a skeptic said many years ago, he says, why do we care about a dead Jew coming back to life 2,000 years ago? Who cares? It's a great question. If we don't answer this question, all we have is this neat historical event, but it doesn't mean anything to us. What does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus came out of that tomb alive? It means we have several things. Number one, it means we have peace with God. Because of our sin, we have been separated from God. Something had to be done with that. A holy God cannot simply say, you know what, don't worry about it. If God just said, you know what, don't worry about your sin, let's just just call it good. God would not be a righteous, holy God then if He just swept sin under the rug. And so Jesus' death on the cross pays for our sin so that we might have peace with God. That's important. We need that peace. But let me get off the notes for just a second, people. How many of us here today are struggling with having peace with God? Because we don't appreciate what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus did not die on the cross so we could still walk around without having a peaceful relationship with God. Jesus died that we might have peace. Number two, Jesus died that we might have eternal life. Eternal life with God. Jesus didn't die just so we would have peace. He died that we might have peace with God. He didn't die just so we would have eternal life. He died so we would have eternal life with God. Stick with me. If all that happened was Jesus died and our sins were forgiven and then we died and that was it, well that didn't work out so well. We could die without, with with complete forgiveness from God, but we would still be dead. We need resurrection. And because of Jesus, we can have eternal life with God. That's huge. That gives meaning to this life. We don't have to worry about death because death does not end the story. It only ends a chapter. This chapter. To open up a whole new chapter that's never going to end. We can have that because of Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. But I feel like one of those infomercials at night. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Not only can we have eternal life with God, not only can we have this forgiveness, this peace with God, we get a resurrection body. We often overlook this when we talk about eternal life. People, the older I get, the more I look forward to the resurrection body. I am tired of this old thing, aren't you? My odometer is about to flip over. The warranty has run out. People ask me all the time, they ask me about cremation. They say, Pastor, what do you think about cremation? I said, I don't care. I don't want this body back. I told my kids, I said, don't spend a lot of money on a casket. Put me in a hefty bag and put me out by the curb. I don't want this body back. We get a new body that will be made for eternity that will not wear out. That's huge. Can you imagine going through all eternity with these bodies? Can you see Jim Bellinger walking around a hundred million billion years from now with a walker? It's not a pretty sight. We get a resurrection body that will last forever, freed from all the pain but also freed from all the lusts and the passions that keep pulling us in the wrong direction. Amen? Won't that be great? Fourth, we also get joy. I get so irritated with Christians. My dad used to say they look like they've been baptized in vinegar. People, we should always have a smile on our face. Even when we're going through times of grief. I love doing Christian funerals. You go to the funeral home and people are laughing. Why? I know where that guy's going to be. He's in heaven. We have joy now because of Christ. Two significant anniversaries happened in my life this past week. First, on Tuesday, I celebrated my 40th birthday as a Christian. I committed my life to Christ 40 years ago. On Tuesday. And I have joy in my heart today because of the relationship I have with Christ through faith. Many of you know that I'm going to get married this summer. And as much joy as I have in my life because of Trisha today, that pales in comparison to the joy I have because of Jesus Christ. Second, on Friday... I began my 28th year of ministry here. 27 years I've been here. Here's my prayer, guys. Here's my hope. That after 27 years, I'll finally figure out what I'm doing. You think? Maybe I'm getting a little bit closer to knowing. It's a wonderful thing to be able to serve Christ. And I am having the time of my life Serving Jesus Christ and ministering to people here. It is a joy. If you aren't serving Christ through the local church, you are missing a tremendous blessing in life. He didn't save us just for us, He saved us so we would have the joy of serving others. But wait, there's even more! In addition to the hope, the forgiveness, and the joy, the peace that we can have, that hope we can have, look at the women here in this story. We can have hope today because of the resurrection. Let me tell you, if those women, when they went to the tomb that day, they did not have hope. Did you know that? If they had hope in the resurrection, what in the world were they doing bringing spices to anoint a dead body? They went to the tomb not knowing that Jesus had already been resurrected. Now, history tells us that the way they prepared the body for final burial was they put spices, herbs on it, to keep the smell down as the body decayed. But what we're told is they would put about 75 pounds of spices on the body. Now, I don't know about you people, but I don't drag around 75 pounds of something that I don't think I'm going to need. And if they had gone to that tomb with hope in their heart, somebody would say, well, let's get the spices. And say, why? I'm not dragging that stuff around for nothing. They didn't go to that tomb with hope in their heart, but I'm telling you, they left that tomb with hope. Right? We can have hope today, through the worst of situations because of what God has done through Jesus Christ. I just talked about the joy I have in serving Christ through the church. And one of the greatest joys I have is actually in sharing hope with people who feel hopeless. I got to do that last Monday night. I got a chance to go to the jail to minister on a floor that I don't normally minister on. It was great. So I had to meet a whole bunch of guys that I'd never met before. And I preached the story of the talents. Remember? that the, the One guy got one, one guy got five, one guy got ten. He who is faithful in little can be trusted with much. If you won't be faithful in little, you won't be trusted with much. And I looked at those guys and I said, listen, when you get out, Start being faithful with the littlest things in life. I said, I don't care what job you get. Be faithful. You know how many people pray and pray and pray that they get a job and then they get a low-paying, low-skilled job and they're just so grateful. Hey, I got a job. And then about two weeks later, they're like, this job stinks. I hate this job. It doesn't pay enough. I'm worth more than that. Right? And... I know people that will actually get fired from entry-level jobs. People, you've got to work hard to get fired from an entry-level job. But if you start at the bottom and with hope you begin to be faithful in little things. I said on assurance and the authority of God's Word, you will not stay there. Two stories quickly. One guy raised his hand. He says, I've got four felonies. He said, what do you think I should do? Well, you know how it works. You go fill out the application and it's check the box. You ever committed a felony? Been convicted of it, right? He said, what am I supposed to do? I got four of those things. I said, you take whatever job you can get and you start working hard. And I guarantee you God will bless that. You won't stay there. Second, I want you to pray for a man. His name is Eric. It broke my heart. I walked in and and we sat down and I started talking about hope and things. And He said, pray for me. He said, my wife just gave birth two weeks ago. And he said, I have yet to see my daughter. It broke my heart. And then he said, because she's in jail too. People, that's the world that we live in. Here's a little baby girl that's born and both of her parents are in jail when she's born. We are in a world that needs hope. And I love that I can go to Macomb County Jail and share hope with guys who need to hear it. And let me tell you something. You have a part in that. Because of you supporting this church, it allows me to go and share hope with men who need to hear it. Thank you for that opportunity. We've seen what happened. We've seen what it means, all the things that we can have, hope, peace, a relationship with God, a new body, eternal life, all that we get in Jesus Christ. The history of this story is important. It's interesting. But it's more important for us to look at the theology behind this. What does it mean? Well, in this story about the resurrection, I think that there are two verses that are critical for us to understand if we're going to understand what resurrection means. So stick with me, grab your Bibles. I want you to look up two verses this morning, two different ones, two different places. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's on page 961. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is addressing a group of people who denied resurrection. Not just Jesus' resurrection, but just resurrection in general. Verse 17 is the verse I want us to look at. 17 and 18. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. There are a couple of ifs that we want to think about this morning. The first if is seen in this verse. If Christ isn't raised, where are we? Paul poses what I call a hypothetical if. He just says, well, let's just suppose Jesus didn't rise from the dead. He's not saying that there's some question of whether Jesus rose from the dead or not. He's saying if he didn't, that's huge. We have no hope. He ties our hope to Jesus' resurrection. And if that didn't happen, then you got nothing to look forward to. He actually says, if all we have is Christ in this life, we are to be pitied. Our hope is not for this life alone. Our hope is in the next life. That's the first if that Paul wants us to look at. If Christ hasn't been raised, that means something. Now turn over to Romans chapter 6, page 943. Romans 6, verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with Christ. So important is this idea, Paul repeats it verbatim, word for word, in his second letter to Timothy. If we have died with Christ... We will also be raised with Christ. Paul is clear here. There is no resurrection for us if we haven't died on a cross. That's not true just for us, that's true for Jesus. There is no resurrection without a cross. Jesus had to go through the cross, and Paul is saying, So do we. We saw this last week in Galatians, the second chapter. We have been crucified with Christ. This is critical for our Christian theology. Now this, though, is a conditional if. This is not a hypothetical, well, let's just say for the sake of discussion, he's saying this is conditional. If you do this, this will happen. If you don't do that, this won't happen. He's not trying to make a theoretical point. He's making an actual connection based on the word if. If we die with Christ, we will be raised with Him. But if we don't die with Christ, we won't be raised with Him. In this resurrection story, in all of the Gospels, we're told again and again that the people at that time had trouble believing it. They doubted. Remember doubting Thomas? Well, he gets a lot of focus, but he wasn't the only one who doubted it. Peter and John, when the women came and said, he's raised, they're like, no way. And they ran to the tomb to check it out. Why? Because a woman said it. If a man had come back, maybe they'd believe it. But a woman came back and said, we've got to check this out for ourselves. They didn't believe it. Today, too many people have shortened the gospel down to simply mean believe in Jesus. All you got to do is believe in Jesus and you're saved. Now, of course, belief in Jesus is essential for salvation. It's essential for being a Christian. But look back in Mark 16 where we started this morning. Look at verse 16 of Mark 16. This is a good verse to, to mark in your Bible. Don't mark in a few Bibles, mark in your own. Mark 16, 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Belief is critical for us to become Christians. But listen to me. Belief in Jesus is no substitute for what Jesus has already told us in no uncertain terms. To be His disciple, you must take up your cross and follow Him. Jesus wasn't undoing what He had already said. Everything Jesus says is true. And if Jesus said we've got to take up our cross and follow Him, then guess what? We've got to take up our cross and follow Him. What Jesus says about believing in Him... Leading the life, not believing in him, leading to condemnation, takes away nothing from what he's already said. And Paul is showing us that our resurrection is tied to death with Jesus. Some people celebrate Easter the way many people celebrate a victory in sports. We won! We won! I know you didn't. They did. You just watched. There is no victory in the death of Jesus at a distance. Just watching what he did. This is important. We've got to get in the game and die with him. This means that this great offer, wait, there's more, this great offer comes with terms. Listen, it's God's deal. So he gets to set the terms. We don't get to go to God and say, hey, I want that deal, but here's my terms. We can take God's deal on his terms or we can reject it. Yes, eternal life is a free gift. We can't work for it. We can't earn it. But even this free gift has terms. For 13 weeks, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark and we've been asking the simple question, what is the Gospel? What is it? Well, here it is. The gospel can be summed up in one phrase, in one sentence. If we die with Him, we will also live with Him. That's it, folks. That's the gospel. We have made the gospel. We live because He died. That's only half true. And I like to remind people that a half-true is a whole lie. Satan wants us to believe a half-truth that we have life simply because Jesus died. No, we have life because we died with Him. We have the possibility of life because of Jesus' death. But whether we get life is a big if. If we have died with him, it'd be like hearing, did you hear about the guy in Ohio? He won $200 million in the lottery. I hear people that say that all the time. Did you hear he won? I'm like, what do I care? Do I get any of that money? Then leave me alone. Tell me how that's good news for somebody else to win a bunch of money that they're not going to share with me. But how many people look at the gospel that way? Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and they think they're just going to get some of that. No, that's not how it works. Yes, Jesus rose from the dead. That's not just cool, that's fantastic. But it doesn't mean anything to those who aren't actively following Christ. As Lord. Because Jesus' death is not applied indiscriminately to every person everywhere regardless of how they live. His death isn't even applied to the lives of people who think they're living good lives. Jesus' death only applies to people who've taken up their crosses and follow him. And people, it's that if that fuels our evangelism, our desire to tell others about Christ. So that we can plead with others as Paul did, be reconciled, be made right with God. Why? Because they need it. Just like we did. You see, we act like heaven is automatic. Everybody, as long as you're not a mass murderer, you're going to heaven. But the gospel is exclusive. Yes, the good news is for everyone. But not every person knows about it or accepts it. Which is why we preach and preach and preach and share and share and share. Because they need that message. And we don't go and say we're Christians because we're good. We say we're Christians because we've committed our lives to Christ. Eternity is at stake. And we act like it's no big deal. No, this resurrection is huge. It's important. It's great. And great news demands to be shared, doesn't it? The women were told by the angel, go tell the disciples. The disciples were then told, go tell everybody. We've been told, go share this word. People in your life need it. You know they do. We are to share this great news with them and tell them they can have, not they do have, they can have eternal life if they accept it on God's terms. If they die with Christ. That's why we share passionately. We share earnestly because we don't want them to die and go to hell. An interesting study just came out a few days ago. I thought it was fascinating. Rasmussen, one of the best pollsters in this country, released a survey that was done just recently where 77% of Americans say they believe that Jesus rose from the dead. 77% of Americans say that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for our sins. That's just slightly over three out of every four people. If that was true, that would be great. How many of those 77% do you think are in church this morning celebrating the resurrection of the Savior that they say they believe in? Right. Second, do we believe for one fraction of a moment that 77% of Americans are born-again Christians who are following Christ? No, we don't. Of course not. Because there's a big difference between somebody saying, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and somebody who's taking up his cross and is following Christ daily. Big difference. There's a weird phenomenon today. It's totally strange. Billions of people on this planet, billions with a B, will celebrate Christmas. when they don't follow the Savior that they're celebrating His birth. Hundreds of millions of people celebrate Easter. Easter break is this huge deal. People look forward, I'm looking forward to Easter break. They'll gladly take an Easter break and go on vacation. But they won't follow the one who rose from the dead which made Easter possible as if celebrating the birth of Jesus, as if celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, somehow makes us a Christian. Today, we're celebrating Easter. We are. It's great. This is great news. Maybe. No, no, not maybe Jesus rose from the dead. We believe that's true. The question is, is this really good news for you? Will you be raised from the dead when you die? Will I be raised from the dead when I die? Well, that's a different question, isn't it? Because our resurrection is not automatically tied to His resurrection. Our resurrection is conditioned On an if. The if we have died with Christ. And if we are living for ourselves, if our lives are primarily focused on what we want, doing what we want, where we want, how we want, then we have not died with Christ. And we will miss out on that resurrected life. Not because God doesn't love us, but because we chose to pass up on the offer that God made. So which are you? Are you just a believer in Jesus? Or are you somebody that's dying with Christ? Because if we don't die with Christ, we will not be raised with Christ. And if this resurrection stuff is really true then it is the most significant thing that has happened in human history. And here's the question. If we're not going to follow Christ completely with our whole lives, then what's the point of showing up on Easter Sunday? If we aren't going to follow Christ completely, then why bother tipping our hat to Him one day a year? Because Jesus didn't call for people to acknowledge the resurrection one Sunday out of the year and call it good. Jesus called for followers who would die for Him every day. The resurrection of Jesus is either the greatest news ever Or it's a big what if? Who cares? And the bottom line is, folks, some of us sitting in this room today will go back to living like Jesus didn't rise from the dead tomorrow, and life will be just the same. We slowed down for a minute. We drove. we, We kind of just rolled by the tomb, looked over, and looked at it, and said, "That's cool." And then we hit the gas and went right back on our way. Living our life for ourselves, doing what we want. This is either the greatest news ever, or it's a waste of time. This is either the greatest news ever, or it's like somebody else winning the lottery. Hey, that's cool, but it does nothing for me. If you're here today and your life is not characterized by sacrifice for Christ, not being a nice person, not being helpful to people, dying for Christ, where you're doing things for Him, to spread the good news, to minister to people in His name, if that does not characterize your life, then ask yourself, why do I believe I will be raised with Christ if I have not died with Christ? Because Paul is clear. That's the way it works. Let's pray. I want you to take a moment and just look at your life. Not what you think, not what you hope. Just take a good, cold, hard look at your life. How have you been living for Christ? How have you been dying for Him? Yeah, 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 I get it. You come to church. Wonderful. Jesus didn't die on the cross and call for us to be great church attenders. He called us for, to take up our cross and to die for Him. And we die for Him, not by physically dying, but by living a life for Him and not for ourselves. Look at your life. If you were to subtract church attendance from the list, what's left? What are you doing to die for Christ? In any way, In any stretch of the imagination, what are you doing that somebody looks at your life and says, wow, that's somebody who's dying with Christ. We have lied to ourselves. We've said that just believing in Jesus and coming to church once in a while is good enough. It's not. We will not live with Him if we don't die with Him.